series, ER, today, Extraordinary Relationships. That's where we are, and we are going to finish up. Uh, Vic was planning to do this, and he has uh, gotten sick and has lost his voice. So we're praying for Vic that he will feel better quickly and um, that things will, will be back on track. Extraordinary relationships. I think we've said this every week of the series, so I think you can help me. Extraordinary relationships happen when we do relationships God's way and not the world's way. Let's say it again. Extraordinary relationships happen when we do relationships God's way and not the world's way. See, so often the world uh, focuses on the wrong things. And can I just tell you, um, you've all, we have already heard the word of the Lord this morning. Amen? I, I appreciate Vanessa stepping out. And she talked about the, our enemy with plans to steal, kill, and destroy. He has those plans for the world, big picture, and he has those plans for me and for you individually, right, right down where we live. And so we get so turned around in our relationships and how we relate to people. And I truly believe that this is a way that our enemy works against us. Because, see, when we're not doing relationships the way God has intended for us to do, we focus on all the wrong things. We lose out on opportunities to truly connect with people at a heart level because when that kind of connection happens, that's when growth and change happen in me. In the, in the world around us, we get so caught up in things like social media and how many friends we have on social media that really, is that a friend? And we spend so much time focusing there and how many likes maybe my post is getting or how good my fake picture looks. Nobody else posts fake pictures, right? <laughs> that we lose track or we don't even take the moment to focus on what's really important, on relationships that really matter. We don't invest in those godly relationships that offer real life. So when Jesus was asked what was the most important commandment, his response was, love the Lord God and love your neighbor as yourself. Basically, love me and love each other. Jesus said that over and over again. And I just want to tell you, I believe, I truly believe that if we can get this love thing right, loving Jesus, loving each other, then all of the other stuff is going to fall into place. And I also believe that the first step on that journey is knowing and experiencing how much you are loved by your Father. You can't offer love that you haven't received. And I just want you to know, I wish I could look at every one of you right in the eye and say to you, your Father loves you. He created you in His own image. He made you like Himself. He calls you good, and He smiles when He looks at you. He loves you. He loves you. And learning how to accept and receive His love 
That is how we start in opening ourselves up to godly relationships that are extraordinary. Extraordinary is possible, and the choice is ours. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and be wise. You will never become wise hanging out with fools. Now, I know some of you just thought of somebody right then. It's like, oh, hmm, maybe I, maybe I don't want to hang out. No, I'm just kidding. Walk with the wise and be wise. We have a choice here. We have a choice, a responsibility to choose who we make these heart connections with. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully. That's on your note sheet. You can write that down. The righteous choose their friends carefully. So today, this last week of ER, Extraordinary Relationships, we're talking about choosing. Choose. We have an active part to play in these extraordinary relationships. See, in kindergarten, it might be who you sit by. So maybe it's somebody with the last name as the same letter as your last name. It's who, you, who you're sitting by. But by middle school, you're able to choose some of your classes. And so then you begin to choose friends sometimes based on interest. You know, like, oh, we, we are in the math club, so we're friends. Or we play basketball, so we're friends. Or maybe it's even uh, that way. It's still that way. Like at work, you know, you screw the thingamabob onto the dingy thing, and that guy screws the thingamabob onto the dingy thing. So you, you, you're friends, right? <laughs> no? Doesn't translate? You can see that I've never, I've, the doohickey, that's a better one, yeah. There is something, though, that's different about choosing relationships and choosing to build a godly relationship. See, it's got to be more than proximity. It's got to be just, just because we sit by each other or we ride the bus together. It's got to be more than, than what we have in common, Hey, I like golf. You like golf. We're friends forever. Uh, however, if you love shoes and you find a fellow shoe lover who happens to wear the same size as you, that can be real deep friendship. Okay? I just doubled the number of pairs of shoes I have. But really, uh, and, and we're not talking about acquaintances. We, we, we know that the Lord says, love everybody that you, that you come in contact with. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about choosing extraordinary relationships, choosing who we connect our hearts with, choosing who we walk through this world with. The series is Extraordinary Relationships, and we need to choose carefully who we enter these relate enter into these relationships with show me your friends and i will show you your future proverbs 27:17 as iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another and we we kind of like this scripture right we like to say yeah that's right iron sharpens iron we wear it on our shirts but the truth is most of the time 
We don't have a lot of iron in our relationships. Why? Well, because iron kind of rubs us. Iron is uncomfortable. Anybody ever call different friends for different things? I mean, it can be something as small as like, I want to go try the new pizza place. I'm not going to call my friend who is, uh, hates pizza, right? Or maybe uh, I want to go garage selling. I'm not going to call my friend who doesn't know that people move around in the world before 9 a.m., you know? So that's fine. But has anybody ever come face-to-face with a moment or a situation and you're needing a little insight and maybe you choose to call the friend that will tell you what you want to hear? Maybe you don't call the friend that you know will... uh, give you the truth. Sometimes we do that, right? Uh, You know the, um, the, the old saying, a good friend will help you move. A best friend will help you move a dead body. No, okay. Okay, that's not what we're talking about today, you know. But there have been times that I have called a different friend based on the response that I was looking for. Now, to clarify, I've never moved a dead body. Just want to make that clear. But that's not... (laughs) That that is not iron sharpening iron. When I call and ask and get the response that confirms the things that I'm already feeling, that is not iron sharpening iron. Because you see, iron, it grinds away the junk. It takes away what is unnecessary to make me sharp. Iron is uncomfortable. It tells me what I need to hear and not just what I want to hear. Iron is being there when someone is feeling low and not being afraid to kick them. Okay, wait, that might be too far. But seriously, so think about this. Am I iron deficient. Am I iron deficient? If you've chosen friends that just say what you want to hear rather than what you need to hear, you might be iron deficient. And without iron, you will never have extraordinary relationships because the truth is, when it's all hit the fan, and I'm sitting in the floor covered in in my mess, I don't really want someone to come and pat me on the back and tell me, oh, it's okay. I want someone who's going to come and sit down with me in the middle of my mess, who's going to wrap their arms around me and love me and with godly counsel show me a way out. Show me a way that things don't have to be the way they are right now. Because you see, in godly relationships, there is power. There is power in godly relationships. So I look around at what the Lord is doing here at the crossing, and it is so clear and evident that it is God's power working through godly relationships. And see, it's been that way from the beginning, even before the beginning of the crossing. 
Jared and I, we moved to Mina. It's been over 20 years ago now. Um, and that, that was before the crossing was, was even a thought. And Vic and Susan, they were some of the first people that we met. And we just loved them right from the start. <laughs> and we started spending time with them. You want me to tell you how long we've been hanging with them? I remembered last night that we were watching the Super Bowl together when Janet Jackson had her wardrobe, <clears throat> wardrobe malfunction. That's how long we've been hanging out. <laughs> and, of course, at that same time, uh, Victor and Don Kelly, they had been working in ministry for years, and so we began to get to know Don Kelly. And then Mary was actually uh, at CMA at that time, and we, we were getting to know her. She was Jared's boss there. And then Don and Mary fell in love, those sweet kids. And it just wasn't long until the six of us began to enjoy a growing and a deepening friendship. And I tell you all that to say that long before the crossing was, was even a thing, God was using godly relationships, extraordinary relationships, to begin to sharpen all of us and to begin to push us towards his plan. For the last 10 years, we have really been practicing iron sharpening iron. And we couldn't have guessed all that God was up to. And for the last five years, we have been on a journey of learning to lead together. All this time, iron sharpening iron, even before we knew what God was doing. Before, before we were aware, we just knew that we wanted to walk together and we wanted to push each other towards Jesus and toward his plan for our lives. And when we look back and see that, it kind of is crazy to see how much he has been at work all along. And another great example uh, of power and godly relationships is circles. I love to talk about circles. You know that. Because life truly happens in circles. I see Vanessa stand up and share the word of the Lord. And I know that she has engaged in relationships in circles that have pushed her to grow. And she's been able to encourage and disciple others to grow. That is what godly relationships look like. And that is what kind of power flows through godly relationships. And I just want to tell you about our newest circle. Uh, we, we, last week was Circle Sunday, and it was wonderful. We've gotten uh, several who are starting circles, new circles, which is so exciting. And our latest one is called Let Your Cracks Shine. Let your cracks shine. I want to say that clearly. <laughs> Let your cracks shine. And uh, they said, now you got to hear the explanation. It's because our cracks are our weakness. And when we let our weakness be seen and we let Jesus' light shine through our weakness, that's where he shows his strength. And I was like, man, that's a great name for a circle. I can't wait to make the art for that, you know? <laughs> but that's what, that is what happens through extraordinary relationships. God's power moves in those extraordinary relationships. 
So today we're going to look at a story in Scripture where it features godly relationships. So turn in your Bibles to the book of Companionship. (laughs) Companionship is the name of the book if you want to just turn there. Anybody have a guess? Ruth. Ruth means companionship. So Ruth means companionship. And this is a book of friendship. The whole story is how God uses companionship, Ruth, to bring hope, restoration, and to have a godly legacy. In the book of Ruth, it starts out with a woman named Naomi, her husband Elimelech, There's a famine in Bethlehem where they live, so they decide to go to a foreign country. Uh, So they go to the land of Moab. They have two sons. And while they're there, Elimelech dies. And so now uh, it's Naomi and her sons, and they both marry um, Moabite women. And then it's not long before both grown sons die. And it's really just kind of a sad tale right at the beginning. Um, because here's Naomi, away from home, away from all her family. Her husband has now died. Her two sons have now died, and she has two daughter-in-laws and no grandchildren. And she's left with no hope for the future. But don't be discouraged, because God does not leave her hopeless. See, he... God was writing the story of the ages. And little did Naomi know that relationships in her life were infused by the power of God and how she was part of a bigger story, the story. And then at the same time, we're going to see how God's working the big story of salvation for the world. And at the very same time, He is using Ruth to change Naomi's personal story. So I just want to read the first, uh, no, 8 through 17, yeah, verses of of Ruth chapter 1. So this is after the men have died and uh, Naomi's kind of gotten herself together and she's decided that she's going to go back home. She's going to go back home to Judah because uh, she's heard maybe there's food there now. So Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, will, will you go? We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you. Because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. There was obviously great love between these three women. 
Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. See, in godly relationships, there is purpose. There is purpose in godly relationships. Without purpose, relationships can be just ordinary. They can be just, uh, you know, high and by, friends at work, that you don't really talk about things personally. It can be uh, even a relationship with what I can get out, uh, uh, out of the relationship. Uh, my dad used to tease me and said that when I was a, a, a girl, I would change boyfriends and I would... Um, choose to go out or, you know, I was 10 years old, but call Matt my boyfriend because he had a pool. And so about May, I would start to call Matt my boyfriend because then, you know, I could have a pool for the summer. Sometimes ordinary relationships, that's just what they are. They're uh, what I can get out of the relationships. But with godly purpose, that changes the course of a relationship. And it's only godly purpose that makes extraordinary relationships possible. When I think about Vic and Susan and Don and Mary and Jared and I, we, when I reflect on our relationship, we have experienced godly purpose together. And that has what has helped us walk through the challenges that we have faced. We, it takes work, right? It's hard sometimes to walk, walk together and work through those things that rub and feel uncomfortable. But it is so worth seeking out godly relationships that line up with your God-given purpose. Relationships that push you towards Jesus. Relationships that say, God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and together we're going to walk there together. Amos uh, chapter 3 says, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Can two people walk together without agreeing which way they're going? If we're not going to the same place, then we can't walk hand in hand. That seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? But this is so true in godly relationships, in extraordinary relationships. So before you decide to walk with and build relationship and friendship with, there's important questions that, that we need to ask, right? And one of those questions is, where are we going? Where 
are we going? And I would say maybe it even needs to start with where am I going? I need to know what it is that I'm looking for here. Am I wanting a relationship that points me to Jesus? Am I wanting a relationship that challenges me when maybe I'm uh, living a little selfishly? I need to know what the dreams are that, I'm, that I have hidden here. And then I need to share those with people. And I need to say, what are your dreams? Are, do we have the same dreams? Where are we going? Where's God taking you? Here's where I feel like he's taking me. And before we join hands, before we begin to move together, we need to agree on where we're going before you go into business with someone, you need to know what the hope is. Is it all about how much money we can make? Or, or is this a way that we are hoping to invest into the community and, and be generous? It's not that either one is bad or good, but it's you need to know so that you're on the same page, right? We need to know where we're going. And we need to ask that question, where are you going? Because purpose is what will carry you through the challenges. And I know that many of us in here have experienced that in marriage as well. Extraordinary relationship. Marriage is an extraordinary, can be an extraordinary relationship. And being on the same road and heading the same direction is critical. Having that purpose is what helps carry you through those hard moments. And so, as we just read, Naomi had her girls, and she kind of came to the place where she laid everything out on the table and said, look, uh, God's turned his back on me, it seems. I've got nothing to offer you. You girls are young. I don't want to keep you from having a husband and children and a life, so you need to go home. I'm going back to my people, and you need to go home. And she laid it all out there. I've lost everything, and I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to hold you girls back from having a family. See, in godly relationships, you will have problems. <laughs> Anybody say amen to that? <laughs> you will have problems. Those times come. And when we choose extraordinary friendship, extraordinary relationship, when we embrace iron sharpening iron, it works out of us what doesn't belong. And you know, we talked about Ruth and her name means companionship. I find it interesting that Naomi's name means, anyone? Pleasant. Pleasant. She was the definition of pleasant. And everybody wants to be friends with pleasant, right? <laughs> but on down in verse 20, she says, Don't call me Naomi anymore. Don't call me pleasant. Because now I am Mara, which means bitter. She, she wanted to change her name because she knew, she felt that she had been abandoned by God. And she said, I'm not who I once was. I'm no longer pleasant. I'm just bitter. Call me Mara. But Ruth said to Naomi, I am with you, 
And even if your name is Mara, I'm not leaving you in your bitterness because our relationship here has purpose. I am going to be with you. I'm going to go where you go. Your people are going to be my people. And it is the place when we are stuck in bitterness and we are feeling like we have been overlooked or maybe we're even feeling like God is not keeping his promises. In those moments when we have those feelings and the ceiling is crashing in, we have got to have extraordinary relationships that are weight-bearing walls. They are holding us up. And that is what Ruth was doing for Naomi. See, there are walls in our house that are divide, dividers, room dividers, or maybe there's walls that are just for looks. They're just pretty. But a house will not stand without weight-bearing walls. And weight-bearing relationships are those that carry the weight when you can't. Those that stand in the gap when your faith is being challenged. Those are the relationships that when you want to change your name to bitter or angry, that stand with you and say, I'm not going to leave you where you are. Do you have those weight-bearing relationships? Those that say, I love you too much to leave you alone. Those relationships that say, I know that you're pushing me away, but I'm just too stubborn to leave. Those friends that see you feeling pretty low, but will still give you the kick in the pants. The extraordinary friend who says, I will carry you to Jesus even if I have to rip the roof off the place to get you to him. Ruth says to Naomi, I'm not going. You can't get rid of me. I am with you. And she went to work. She started finding a field where she could pick up leftovers to provide for she and Naomi. She rolled up her sleeves. She humbled herself. She worked hard. You know, there were options. She could have, when they got to Judah, I'm sure, to Bethlehem, there was probably a young man who would have taken her as a wife, and she could have left Naomi, but she didn't. She said, no, I am with you. She provided for Naomi. And in that place of serving, God led Ruth to the field of Boaz. And Boaz, he had heard about Ruth. He had heard about her story. He had heard about her faithfulness and generosity. Everybody in the community had heard what Ruth had done for Naomi. Because it was extraordinary it was unheard of that a young lady would, instead of taking care of herself and her own needs, would instead sacrifice what looked like sacrifice her hope for a future to take care of and love her mother-in-law. 
So they had all heard about what she had done, about her extraordinary love and faithfulness to Naomi. And Boaz tells Ruth, because of your generosity and the way that you have acted with Naomi, I will be generous to you. And a friendship was birthed right there between Boaz and Ruth. And you can read the story. He tells his people, hey, you leave this young lady alone. We're going to take care of her. I even want you to drop handfuls of the good stuff on purpose so that she can have more than she needs. He takes care of her. He provides for her. And the friendship that, that was birthed there led to marriage. And Ruth, she calls Boaz her kinsman redeemer. And remember, she was a Moabite woman. But she really chose, like she told Naomi, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And so she calls Boaz her kinsman redeemer. Boaz marries Ruth. And even after they marry, Ruth's friendship and purpose of caring for Naomi never changed. And I love this story because ultimately, Boaz and Ruth have a son. And his name is Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David, who became king of Israel. And who we know many years down the line, Jesus was part of that line. And Isn't that just a crazy and amazing story to think about that God was working his story of redemption for the whole world, for all of history, and he used Naomi, even in her hard time, to write his story. He moved them to Moab so that Ruth would become part of the story. And then they come back And he has all of them in the story of redemption of the world. And I just think that that is so encouraging for me. Because in extraordinary friendships, and we may think that we're just managing to get through the week, and sometimes it is that. But even in those moments, we don't know what God is doing. And we don't know what story he is writing. And we may never know. But when we invite the God of the universe into our relationships, when we choose to prioritize extraordinary relationships, then that opens those relationships up for his power to flow through them, for his purpose to be revealed in them. And the end of the story, and you should just read the four chapters this week. It's a great story. It's, it's short, and it's just a beautiful story of companionship, of friendship, of extraordinary relationships. But I love the way it describes uh, the birth of Obed, which is the son of Ruth and Boaz. 
It says that when he was born, the whole town began to chant, Naomi has a son. Naomi has a son. And see, that's the kind of love that there was there. It, was, it wasn't even really her grandson, right? But it was. It was. It was part of her redemption story. And in verses 14 and 15 of, of chapter 4, it says, The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Isn't that just a beautiful picture of God's redemption? So in extraordinary relationships, there's power and there is purpose. And yes, there will be problems. But there's also provision that restores what has been lost. There is provision that restores what has been lost. And I believe that it was God's plan to restore a lost world. And he was working that plan all along. And Elimelech, when he moved his family to Moab, he didn't know, but that was all part of God's redemption plan. And God was working to provide and to restore what had been lost, to restore salvation to a broken and dying world. Without Ruth and Naomi, Naomi, uh, if she had, they, there would not have been Obed who was, in fact, part of the lineage of Jesus. And without Ruth, Naomi would have lived her life as Mara, as bitter and broken. Without Naomi, Ruth would never have been in a place to meet Boaz and be part of the lineage of the Messiah. Do you see that extraordinary relationships, they really, really do change the world and as the body of Christ we are just a part of this big jigsaw puzzle every one of us is a piece in that puzzle we all have a part that we fulfill a role that we have and it's like we're all part of the same picture but it's those pieces that join around us that help create the space where we fit the best. God created you in His image and in His likeness. I said it from the beginning. And every single one of you has a mark of your Father that no one else in all of creation has had or will ever have. You are unique. And so your part of the puzzle is unique. And you are needed to be a part to, com to make the, the whole picture complete. Are those closest to you 
Would you say those are extraordinary relationships? Are those relationships, are they offering godly power? Are they pointing to godly purpose? Are, are they there through the problems? We have got to choose to pursue extraordinary relationships, to, ex to pursue extraordinary friendships. In my experience, it's not just going to fall out of the sky. It's not just going to happen to you. It's something that we have to choose and we have to pursue. Have you chosen to make extraordinary relationships a priority? And just briefly, I, I just want to say, I want every marriage represented in this room to be extraordinary. And I believe with all my heart that every marriage can be extraordinary. And if that's not your experience today, I want to encourage you to not be satisfied with getting by. To not be satisfied with, well, at least we didn't, at least we didn't have to fight through supper tonight. I want to encourage you to pursue extraordinary relationship. And you do that by pursuing your Father in heaven. And He will show you. He will show you the things that you need to do. I always find that He shows me the things that I need to work on. The things that I need to change. Do you have weight-bearing friends? Do you have those relationships in your life that, that are like weight-bearing walls that, that hold you up when everything seems to be falling in around you? You don't have to be in a circle to have an extraordinary friendship or a relationship, but can I tell you, I see the evidence that as we engage in circle life, extraordinary relationships are built and developed. What kind of friend are you to others? Are you a weight-bearing friend? Or are you just a pretty wall that gives way when the storm hits? thinking about these things as we go this week. And would you bow your heads? I just want to ask one more question. And then we'll pray. And I ask this question because of my experience. But there may be some in the room that you want to have extraordinary relationships and you want to have load bearing weight bearing walls of friends but it just hasn't seemed to work out that way for you and so if you're here today and you long for that kind of friendship 
can I just tell you that your father sees and hears and knows and I believe that he will help you as you pursue those kinds of relationships he will lead you and guide you to the to the people that you can have that with people that you can know and trust let's pray Lord I am so grateful I'm grateful for the hope that we have and I'm grateful Lord for the possibility of not just getting by but experiencing extraordinary relationships as we live this life and Lord I just pray that as we go this week we would think about this and and Lord that you would help us to see where we are pursuing those kinds of relationships and then maybe some places where uh, where I haven't where maybe I have just settled for uh, whatever Lord I pray that you would uh, awaken a longing in us for more for more of you and more of community with each other for extraordinary friendship that's there in and out of season through the storm that I can rely on and Lord I'm just asking that you would help me to see how I can learn to be that friend to someone else. And Father, if there are those of us in the room who haven't experienced that yet, but want to know that kind of friendship, I just pray that you would, your, your very real nearness would just fall on them in this moment and they would know that you are aware, that you see them, that you care. And then, Father, I pray that they would begin to pursue extraordinary relationships and that you would lead and guide their steps if it's a circle or if it's a phone call they need to make. But, Father, that you would lead them to the person or the people that they can share this kind of friendship with. And I thank you for that. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.